everybody doing? Can you take a moment. We've got quite a, a number of folks. Some people are traveling and out uh, enjoying the changing weather. You can feel spring coming, so they're out uh, taking a little vacation. So we're glad for them uh, to be out. I know a couple of folks are still fighting some stuff, so we keep praying for anybody that's uh, fighting bugs and and viruses or whatever in Jesus' name and just uh, keep speaking healing over them. Um, but have y'all enjoyed the last several weeks? Has it been helpful at all, mm-hmm. the relational stuff? I know I'm a couple of weeks behind getting stuff up on the podcast. I'll get that done this week um, and stuff. But I, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Uh, we're going to just keep going in that vein. Um, and so the reason why, and make sure that if I haven't said that well, is uh, the verse we're going to read here in just a moment is the importance of people in our life, right? And not just, how do you say, and not just the people we like, those people are important, <laughs> but also the people God puts there uh, that, as you hear me jokingly say, may rub our cat backwards, right? You know, God may send you people uh, that they kind of rub you the wrong way every now and then, and they're kind of different than you. And we love all of those people too. But the reason why is here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. And I love that again. And have y'all been noticing this language? We're going to look at it more that Paul said. I had not seen it to the degree as I have since we've been talking about this, where Paul says, Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, right? But he says here, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved, right? So remember that people are your joy and your crown. You know, Audra and I were talking before the service this morning, and, and I love what she had said is, is that people are the reward. Can y'all say that out loud? Say, people are... The reward. Like All right, let's, let's, I got a couple of people talking to me here. Everybody say, say, people are the reward, right? And that sometimes that's easy to forget, right? Because we live in the culture we live in where we're all going to get up in the morning at various times and go out there and earn money and do stuff and, and gain some wealth and build towards our future. And, all, and those things are all great and good. And sometimes we can think of, well, that pay raise is the reward, or that career path is the reward, or, 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 or hitting that life goal is the reward. And so please hear me, we should have life goals. We should look to grow and excel. Huh? Yeah, I'm not saying everybody goes, my pastor said we should just call in, you know, because people are the rule. You know? <laughs> right? So, I mean, there, there are life goals that are there, so I'm not downplaying any of that. But we need to remember that for us as Christ followers, people are the reward. Right, so say it one more, say, people are, people are the, reward. the reward, right? And you can add the ones I like, the ones I like. and the ones I don't like, they're still they're the reward. Still. Amen. Are you with me? The, the, the good ones, the nice ones, the sweet ones, they're the reward, and the mean, nasty, ugly ones, they're a reward too, because people are the reward. Amen. Aren't you glad about that? Some of y'all look dubious, right? Some of y'all don't, don't, you're not for sure. Because I know in in our culture, right, we, we see people as many times, we're not careful, we see people as an interruption. Or we see people as my problem. Even the ones we like. Even the ones we like, 
right? I mean, we all know that. You know, how many of you got, no, come on, let's be honest. This is church, right? We're going to be honest with each other. How many of you know that phone rings and now everybody has caller ID because you got a smartphone. So that phone rings and you look at it. How many of you, you hesitate? You, you kind of pause and you're kind of like, mm. Yeah, and then some, how do you, and some of them, the moment you see that name, you're like, yeah, no, I'm not talking to them. You just, anybody else like that? You know, and so sometimes we can, and again, please hear me. I understand we all do that because I know there's some people in my life as well, and I have to look and go, you know, that's a half hour person. You know, think like that. You know, I look at that and look at that. That person's a half hour person. I ain't got a half hour, so I can't talk to you right now. So I'll call you back on the drive home because I know it's going to take a half hour. So I'll call you then. Uh, but right now I got like, but some people you look and go, oh, good. It's so-and-so. They're a two-minute person. <laughs> right. I can, I can, they're calling. I can talk to them. It's in, it's out, it's done. And we move on. Right. And, and we can do that. And then some people you're like, ooh, I ain't got that much time. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. They're, they're like a half a day person. Right. I mean, you get on the phone with them and, and you can just set the phone down and go wash dishes you know, and, and they're just going, they're just, but even all of those people, they are the reward. Do you understand that? Do you know why they're the reward? Because they are an image bearer like you. Right. Um, it's a Latin phrase. I'm going to butcher it, but it's the Imago Dei is what it's called. And in Latin, when they wrote uh, the translation of the Bible, it's what they said in Genesis. And God made the Imago Dei. He made the image of himself. Mm-hmm. And that's who you are. Right? Look at the person sitting next to you somewhere and say, hey, you're an image bearer. I know I got some. You're an image bearer. Right? Some people ain't. Well, they, <laughs> well and the thing, Miss Eloise, I, I hear you. I know some people, um, yeah, you wonder about that. And I totally with you. But all humans, and that's the thing. The image of something they, they might be. Well, but even the worst of mankind, right? Even those that we look at. And again, and, I under, and please hear me. I know because this gets all in that sticky territory. Again, so all my little preambles, I'm not talking about putting yourself up for abuse. I'm not talking about uh, having to deal with people who are evil in their heart because they haven't been saved yet and they would hurt people. I, 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 we all get that, right? We all understand that. But at the end of the day, again, we always use the yo mama. You know, Hitler carried the image of God. What? Yeah. Because he was a human being. Now, he didn't live up to the image of who he was. But it doesn't change the fact that he was made, like you, as an image bearer of God. Right? See, our, our perspective as Christ followers are that we understand that every human on the planet bears the image of our Father. How so? How so? Because he made them. But how? 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 Okay, but was, I think about how told Adam to Yeah. Yep. Yeah, to have dominion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you understand? Yeah. Well, again, in, in all those areas, Alicia, again, I mean, every human being has dominion on the planet. 
not just the saved ones. Right. right? So every human has dominion. Every human has a physical body. And like speaking and different. And sp- yes. 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 That is That's exactly right. Yeah, there's the same characteristics as you. Right? You have the difference between me and the worst person in Alabama is simply Jesus. <laughs> Sometimes we forget that, right? I mean, but the, the truly the only difference between me, Brad Holloman, and whoever might be considered, if we could make a list and say, yep, and there's, you know, as Brother Hagin, there's Oliver Snotwad, right? <laughs> he's, he's right there at the bottom of the list. You know, he is, he is just the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst, right? And the only difference between me and Oliver Snotwad is Jesus, right? And that's the difference. But as far as who he is, who he was made to be, he bears the image of God because he's a human being, right? He carries a physical body. Do you understand that? That is this or this? I feel like I'm going. To... Because they're humans, not angels, and because they're humans, not animals. Yes, exactly. Because they're humans. Not, yeah. the, the human beings are the only creation that God chose, and you've heard me say this before. They're the only thing in creation God chose to touch. Everything else, He spoke. And when he went to make human beings, he used himself as the template. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? He, he, he looked at himself and said, I will make them like me. Mm-hmm. So you, you who you are, and, and, and the reason why I think that's a struggle for us and we have to be careful is I know here in the South, I was taught this in, in the well-meaning and intentioned background that I came from, but there is a false doctrine that we are taught in, in traditional Christianity, and it's the doctrine of holy other, mm-hmm. right? It's with the name of the doctrine. This is okay. This is, again, y'all do this every time. Every time I want to <laughs> go somewhere, and we start, and we go somewhere else, right? But is, um, but is the doctrine of holy other. Has anybody ever heard that before? That, that humankind is holy other than God, mm-hmm. right? And I was taught that. Oh, well, I'm not, you're not God. You're not this. And the analogy I was told as a small child was just imagine, you know, if there's a, a young boy and he's walking to school and he sees that ants are crossing the sidewalk, but because they're crossing where other people walk, they're being stepped on and squished and his heart goes out for the ants because he's seeing the ants get squished and he doesn't want the ants to get squished because he's just good and compassionate and loving. So he figures out a way to make himself into an ant and goes down to the ants and leads them in a different way of salvation so they won't get squished. And that was how it was explained to me that, see, that's you and God. You were the ant that was getting squished by your sin and your this and your that and the other. And God loved you so much, but he was different than you. He is this other. And so he made himself like you so he could lead you in a way of salvation. And that's just a bunch of baloney. Y'all look at me kind of Does that make sense? I love what the, the great theologian who's now passed, R.C. Sprawl, said about this. He says, you know why God made you in his image? And this comes back to Elisa's question. 
so that he can talk to you. You were made just like him so he could communicate to you as himself. He did not have to transform himself into something different to communicate with you. Because he can talk to you because you are in the same class of being as he is. Right? Y'all remember? Y'all? Okay. Y'all, this is going somewhere different. So let's go to Genesis. Is this new to anybody? Anybody ever not heard this before? New? Okay. So this is some good old part of my job as, as your pastor is to, is to just help explain um, the big terms that get thrown around. You know, and y'all hear me say about $5 words, right? You need to understand your theology, right? And all theology means is theology is a $5 word that talks about the study of God, right? Everybody understand that? So you, in, inside of theology, you have another word that's called doctrine. And all doctrine is is a simple Latin word that means what is taught, something that is instructed, the ABC, yeah, the ABCs and the one, two, threes are the doctrine of English, right? Learning your vowels is a doctrine. Does that make sense? Learning multiplication is a doctrine of mathematics. So that, that's all that means. So don't let those words get too churchified or, or anything in you, uh, but we all need to know. And I have found in, in, in our current church world, there is a, a great weakness of theology in most Christians, Right there, there's that we have not done as pastors a good job of actually teaching what is called systematic theology, and all that means is systematic theology is is that there is a there is a progression of understanding God. Does that make sense? It's kind of like again when you went to school, they they put you through a system of of systematic instruction. They didn't take. You know, they're not in here. They didn't take the little people that were in here. They're back there. You know, they didn't take. I'm going to pick on me. Now, sweetie, I call you me because that was the cutest thing. What is your actual name? Aaron. Miss Aaron. I'm sorry. I pick on you because I just thought it was the cutest thing that you said me. So you're me to me, right? That's, that makes sense. And so, but Miss Aaron, you know, but we don't take Miss Aaron at school and go, okay, what grade are you in, Aaron? You're eight years old. So you're in second grade? Third grade? Somewhere around in there? Oh, good. She's homeschooled. We don't know what grade you are because you're homeschooled. That's awesome. That's what I do to my kids all the time. The people ask me, what grades are your kids in? I have no idea. I, I really, and people look at me like funny. I say, I, I don't because that's why I homeschooled them because I'm tired of putting them on somebody. Because who sets the grade? Who, who, who sets the curve? Right. Who, who, I, I don't know. I, they can read, they can write, and they're smarter than most people, including myself. So they're doing really good, right? And so, But we don't take Aaron at eight. And go, here, let's throw you over here into quantum physics. That's how you're going to start the second or third grade, right? So that we do a systematic layer of instruction. Well, we do that in church too. There's a systematic way to understand. And, and here's real basic five points. If you want to take notes on this, these are your five big mile markers of systematic theology. All right. There is the creation, point number one. There's the creation Right? And then you take a point and the next dot. Anybody did connect the dot? As the kid, I love connect the dots. Y'all like connect the dots. So dot one is creation. Dot two is there was the fall. The fall of mankind is dot two. Right? Dot three is the law that came. 
to show us the effects of the fall. Dot four is what we call salvation or redemption. And then finally, dot five is what's called consummation, which is just the simple return and complete fulfillment of all Jesus and God wanted from the very beginning. And they kind of, when you look at them, it, it's like a circle. But you know what we do to most people in church is we start at dot four. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's where we all start it. We, we go straight to Jesus and redemption and bam. Yeah. And in our current culture, guys, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, and please don't get mad at me. I'm not an anti-American with what I'm about to say. But you have to understand we no longer live in a Christian nation. We have a nation with a Christian heritage, yes, but the United States is no longer a Christian nation. We are now unofficially a secular humanistic nation, right? Does that make sense? And so you talk to people who have no connection to church and you just start with Jesus and Jesus is just one of many gods you get to pick from, right? So you have to take people who know nothing about Jesus back to dot one and you got to help them connect the dots. Because mm-hmm. when you help people connect the dots, Jesus makes a world of sense. Right. Does that make sense? He makes a whole lot of sense when you connect the dots. If you don't connect the dots for people, right? Because you have to understand in our world today is secular humanistic world. There's, let me back up. Humans have basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? What is wrong with me? And how do I make what's wrong right? Those are the four basic questions every human being has. Who am I? Why am I here? Right? What's wrong with me? And how do I make what's wrong right? Right? In secular humanism, well, you're an accident. Random chance of evolution, a bunch of weird sales that happen to get together over a long process of time. So therefore, you have no purpose. As we would jokingly say, your purpose is to get all you can, can all you get, and then sit on the can. <laughs> right? That, that's why most people live, because that's, and that's why everybody lives for me and lives for themselves and lives for this, and it's... Gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. All the stuff is because they believe they have no purpose. Well, they believe they have no purpose because they think they're just an accident. Right? Well, then most people say, well, then what's wrong with the world? What's wrong with what's going on? And oh, somebody else is what's wrong with it. There's not enough programs, there's not enough this, there's not enough nice people, there's not enough women in power, there's not enough men in power, there's not enough of this, there's not enough of that, it's somebody else's problem, they did it, they did it, and it's always outward. Well, then how do we make what's wrong right? Well, in secular humanism, I need more government, I need more correction, I need more institutions, I need more programs, I need more this, because people are the problem. Do you see this? Y'all look at me kind of funny. Is this, no, no, y'all never heard this before? None of y'all, okay, is this all right? So, but us as Christ followers, as Bible believers, we answer the questions like this. Who am I? Oh, I am a specially and uniquely created being made in the image of my creator. 
He therefore then has given unto me a unique, divine, and specific purpose for my life. Right? Oh, what's wrong with the world? Oh, yeah, I am. (laughs) I'm what's wrong with my world because I was a sinner. I was part of the fall. I was the, I'm my own problem. Oh, how do we make that right? I can't. He did. Does this make sense? Yes. Yes. So even though you may not have done any of those things, you were born with that sin nature. Absolutely. And that's where it's what was wrong. Absolutely. Some people are like, what did I do? Yeah. That's right. What did I do wrong? Yes, absolutely. And it was when here's the thing. Well, here's the thing, Alicia. This is the this is God, this is the determination, even in church, even how much secular humanism has gotten into church. Well, what did I do wrong? You you were born. That's all it took. (laughs) <laughs> well, no, I, I didn't do nothing. It's not my fault. Now we're back over into secular humanism. That's why Paul very clearly in Romans said, there was none righteous, no, not one. None, zero, right? And until the human being is willing to say, I am desperately wicked, and in need of a savior, then Jesus makes no point. Does that make sense? Because, and we all know this, right? I mean, again, all of us, I love all of our cute little kids, you know, and I love borrowing from Dr. Vodibach and we realize that they're just vipers and diapers. Y'all know that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right? I mean, I... I've, I've had six of my own, five of them I've seen from birth. I didn't get to see Audra from birth. That's my fault because I was a viper in a diaper, right? Yes. All so, so that makes sense. That's my bad, right? But as I looked, you know, I looked at little people. How many of you know all your kids, you, you never had to teach them how to throw a fit? No. Did y'all notice that? How about lying? Did you ever have to teach them how to lie? <laughs> right? No, never had to teach them. Did you ever have to teach them how to throw somebody under the bus? No, they just throw their little brother or sister right up under the bus. They did it. Right? <laughs> right? So, again, as parents, you have to realize that. I mean, and I'll, I mean, I'll just be candid with, you know, I'm your pastor. I never assume my children are saved until they show signs that they're saved. And until they show signs that they're saved, I engage with them in love, but I engage with them understanding they're not saved yet. So I don't expect righteous behavior from an unrighteous person. That would be unfair. That would be unjust. Now, does that mean that we don't discipline? I do. When my kid, again, he's not, well, he's back there. Caleb, I'm going to throw you under the bus, buddy. You ready? I know you're in the back. But you're sitting in the back. It's good for you. But it's, um, but you know, Caleb, you know, would, would sit there and he was one of the ones, not, not anymore, had struggled with lying. Right? Would you agree with that? Yes. <laughs> right? And so, we, and, I, and you remember this conversation. I said, son, you're always going to have a struggle with this until you really give your life to Jesus. Now, I'm still going to discipline you because people need to trust you. So I'm still going to punish you for the lying. You're still going to get a spanking. 
But know that I understand where it comes from. Does that make sense? But, 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 as, but I think what we do is we don't, we don't under, well, when you understand systematic theology, you understood that. Oh, well, what was wrong with the world? Oh, I, well, I was born. Well, what did I have to do? That doesn't say, I'm sorry, you were born. You were born a sinful person into a sinful world. You were born desperately wicked, evil to your core, and needed a savior. At best, your parents put a lot of salt in you and preserved you a little bit. Yes? So then how does that, because you always say that there's like a grace period when kids are younger. There are. But it's good. What, what, and, and Savannah, great question that Paul tells us about that in the book of Romans. Around the fifth to the ninth chapter, somewhere in there. And I'd have to look at it in detail. But Paul talks about it and he's, he explains it. He says there was a time, Paul said in his childhood, he says, when I was alive unto God, but then through the law, sin revived and I died. Now, he didn't die physically. He died spiritually. Mm-hmm. Right? So there was a time, what we call again, in, in quote-unquote theological terms, it's called the age of innocence. From conception, and I don't even like to put a date on it because I don't think you can. It, it depends on each kid. Right? It depends on each human. But from conception to when they understand the law, understand what was there, and then like, unfortunately, our forefather before us, they chose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for themselves. Does that make sense? And, and it's, it's hard to see when that is. But there's times. I mean, I've seen it in my kids when they know. All of y'all did it. You knew. You knew that you knew that you knew that you knew. And you said, Mm-mm. you were just, I mean, I'll pick on Savannah. She was just a little bit bolder than the rest of them. She just looked at you and said, no. Everybody else was at least Southern and said, sure, daddy, I'll be glad to. And never did it. <laughs> right? You just looked at us and said, nah, I don't feel like doing that today. I ain't doing that. Right? So, but, <laughs> but, you know, but, but sin would come and sin, Paul says, but there came a moment when the law came and I heard the law, thou shalt. That's why, again, parents, we still teach the law to our children. Because the law is still good and right and perfect because the law shows us the sinfulness of our nature. Do you remember the dots? Remember, there's creation, then there's the fall, then there's the law. Again, one of our things, even though hey, I am a grace person, I love some grace. But grace did not erase the dot of the law. Exactly. All grace did was fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. But the law is still very much in place in that it tells us, oh, yeah, that's how sinful I am. The law tells humans how sinful they are. It still shows them, right? I mean, have you ever heard the Ray Comfort? Y'all, everybody ever followed any of Ray Comfort stuff? Some of y'all didn't. Some, some, I see some people shaking their... But Ray Comfort, I love Ray. Ray Comfort is a Christian apologist. He runs... I forgot the name of his ministry, but basically it's a, a soul winning type thing. But this was, this is, and you can go, you can Googling, YouTubing, 
one on St. Google, we laughed yesterday, San Google, uh, we're at the Hispanic thing, you know, you go to St. Google and you can look up, but you go to YouTube and you can Google Ray Comfort, but he'll go out into the street and he'll talk to people about this. Did you know? Did you know you're desperately wicked in need of a savior? And they're like, well, what did I do? Just like you said, well, what did I do to, to be called that? He says, well, have you ever told a lie before? And the person so he chuckles, well, yeah. Well, what does that make you? And they stop and go, uh, a liar. Uh-huh, so you're a liar, okay. He says, uh, have you ever looked at an opposite sex person and, and lusted after them? And they get really red and go, yeah, we've, we've, we've done that. He goes, well, according to Jesus, that makes you an adulterer. So now you're a lying adulterer. <laughs> and you see the person go. <sighs> and then they're struggling. And then he sits there and says, have you ever used the Lord's name in vain? Have you ever, you know, said Jesus Christ, but not in the worshipful sense? Right. And they go, well, yeah, yeah. Well, that says you're a blasphemer according to Scripture. So now you're a lying, adulterous blasphemer. <laughs> Right? Have you ever hated anybody? Well, yeah, I don't like so. Okay, well, again, according to Jesus, if you hate somebody, it's the same thing as killing them. So now you're a lying, adulterous, blasphemous murderer. Need I go on? Right? Okay. <laughs> well, and, and, and you see these people go, and they've never been. And, and all the law does is confronts us with the reality of our wickedness. Does that make sense? That's uh, 633 reasons. And, and I love, and then Paul, in God's grace and mercy, Paul just does something different in the New Testament. And anything like the 633. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be specifically the 633 laws of the Old Testament. If it's anything like that, if it's close, if it's a kissing cousin to one of the commandments, okay, that's bad too. Right? So at the end, what it does is it tells us, no, 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 no. See, I was a special creation purposefully made in the image of my father. Like my forefather before me, I am desperately wicked. I am sinful and I need a savior. I cannot save myself. I can't be good enough. I can't be strong enough. I can't be pure enough. There's nothing I can do. And again, on this note, remember all false religion, whatever you want to call that, Everything from self-righteous Baptist religion, can I just be a little bit pointed, mm -hmm. to let's go worship the devil and cut off a chicken's head, <laughs> pagan religion, and anything in between is simply man endeavoring to make himself right with God. We just put a different shingle over it. Well, I'm a devil worshiper. Well, I'm just a good old Baptist. Well, I mean, I'm a good old Pentecostal. I know some Pentecostals like, I'm a good old... Pentecostal. Mm -hmm. I got my hair up, no makeup on, and my long dress on, right? I don't wear shorts in the summer if I'm a guy. I cut my hair real short and I shave and I look all neat. And, and that can be just as much idolatrous as I went out in the woods and drew a pentagram in the dirt, and, mm -hmm. right? All of it is self-righteousness. I'm trying to make me right based on me, mm -hmm. right? And I can't. The law tells me that. The law tells me no matter, Brad, no matter how hard you try, you'll never be able to. So therefore, you needed a man who happened to be God, who came as a man, 
because you and him are brothers, you are alike. And he died not just for you, he died as you so that you can be saved and be as him. Right? And then there's a consummation coming where he will fully eradicate the effects of the fall of man. He will fully redeem everything and basically bring us right back to how it was at the creation. Awesome. Before the fall. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you, you have to understand then here again, and man, how did we get off on all of that? See, Apologetics. Apologetics, all this stuff. Genesis chapter 1, right? We're trying to get here. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, very famous. It says, then God said. Who said? God. So who is that? The creator. God. So what do we know about that, that person? Who is God? God? He's the creator. What else about do we know about God? Man God created man and earth. God created man and earth, huh? He's eternal. What else we know about God? He's sovereign. What else we know about God? He's just. He's loving. He's loving. What else we know about God? He's here before we were. He's eternal. What else? Now let's get practical. What else we know about God? He's patient. He's righteous. He's loving. He's a spirit. We also know, according to Scripture, He has hands. He has arms. He walked in the garden, so he's mobile. Eyes. He has eyes. His eyes go to. And do you understand that? We all talk about the, the hand of God. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro across the earth. The arm of the Lord was there, right? You know, even at the finger of God that came out and rode on the wall. Huh? He had a backside. He, and he liked, to, he liked to moon people, certain people. He was a mooner, right? Because, you know, God mooned Moses that day. That's my... That's, that's, I got to just tell that story because I'm, I'm looking at Nick and he's like, going, what? <laughs> this is a good, good. He's nudging Katie going, I think we're going to a different church. I don't know about that. But, um, but you know, it, 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 but it was there. My favorite story, right? There's Moses, right? Moses saying, God, I want to see your face. God says, if you see my face, you'll die. I'll kill you. Right? But God, I just want to, I want to see you. God says, I'll show you my goodness. And it's a neat word. I'll show you my goodness, puts Moses in the cleft of the rock, walks past Moses, and it says, and as God passes by, he lifts his hand, and Moses saw God's hinder parts. God mooned Moses and, call, and called it his goodness. This is look good right here, buddy. Come on. Good. Right. <laughs> Y'all never going to come back to church. I mean, this guy is there. But hey, but listen, but so we know God had hinder parts. His clothes kept his clothes clean. He was white. I mean, but he had hands. He had eyes. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's not good. That's right. To the men now that, you know, it's so, I have to tell, now I'll tell a story on me. So, you know, y'all, I was the dean of students at a Bible college in Mexico. And for the last year we were there, we had the privilege of having Selena's grandma who is a doctor, live with us. She's a medical doctor. And so, so we called her Gigi for great-grandma. Called her Gigi. So Gigi was living with us. And I got real sick. Like, I mean, I don't think I've been that sick in ever. ever. Like, I was like real, 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 real sick. 
And she listened to me and said, son, you, you need serious antibiotics. This is not good. And I said, okay. So she goes to the pharmacy and she gets the medicines and it was five shots, alternating bum cheeks every day. One this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, right? Alternate. And she administered them every morning. She'd get up and I'd get up, come out of the bedroom and there she is flicking the thing, you know, ready for, I hadn't even had coffee yet. And I remember one day, you know, I dropped my pants and I'm there and she's doing, and I said, well, I bet you this is a side of the Dean of Students you never thought you'd see. And without meeting a beat, out missing a beat, she goes, you know, nothing new, nothing good. And she just, <laughs> it just stabs me. I'm like going, I think she just said I didn't have a nice butt. <laughs> you know, and so, uh, so she stabs me and moves on down the road. So yeah, no, when, when you look at mine, it's not like looking at the goodness of God. It's, um, <laughs> right. But it says, right. It says, <laughs> I just gotta be honest. Right. That's awesome, right? Because church should be enjoyed and not endured, right? And so, uh, so here it is. So Genesis chapter one, verse, and then God said, so we just, we just walked through and you told me very limitedly what you know about God, all these different attributes. And God said, what? Let us make man in our image. So all the things you just defined is how mankind began. Because God looked at himself and when he made man and he didn't go, I think I'll create this new thing called an arm. (laughs) (laughs) No, God said, yep, they need arms. Yep, they need legs. Yep. They need noses, they need eyes, they need to be just like me. So he takes, and, 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 and then God, and you've heard me say this, right? God then from the two planes of existence, from the new material physical plane called earth, God fashioned our body. And then from himself, the eternal spiritual plane, he breathed into that body from heaven. So that for the first time, mankind was made from both worlds. He was was made from the physical world. That's why we can interact here. And he was made from the spiritual world. That's why we can interact there. And then he tied the two planes together. And that's what gave God the ability, mechanically speaking, to say, so now you can have dominion over this realm because you were made from both. So when we go to heaven, both, we leave our earthly Only for a short time. See, and that's where we got to come to Thursdays, and we're going to get there on Thursdays. But uh, for preview, for those who can't make it on Thursdays, that's why Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, right now when death comes, I lay aside this body that is now corrupted or corruptible or in corruption. Right, And I will lay down in death this corrupted body, but only for a time until the one who returns will raise it again incorrupted. That's awesome. Without corruption, without death. Now, let's, what do we know about that? Let's talk about Jesus after his resurrection. Jesus did some seriously cool stuff after he came back from the dead. Jesus walked through walls. 
Jesus did a version of almost teleportation translation where he just went from one place to another place. Right? Jesus moved between heaven and earth at will. Right? He still got to have a fish fry. That was my most exciting part about that. <laughs> Even with his new body, Jesus sat down on the shore that day and said, fry me up some fish. I'll take a hush puppy too just to show you. <laughs> just to show you. Right? And he eats with them that day. Right? But you see that, that what the body that we will get... Again, this is one of the reasons why you and I, how do I say that? You and I should be exceedingly excited to die one day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Come on, are you with me? You should be really, really happy to lay down this thing because this physical body is a boat anchor to your existence. <laughs> right? Anybody ever drug something? You know, I love when my kids were little. You know, they, they still do something. They'll grab you by the leg and you'll kind of do the whole, and many parents done the draggy thing. You know what I mean? That's what your physical body's doing to your spirit. <sighs> Gotta put up with this stupid body, <laughs> right? That's corrupting and. Huh? <laughs> no, not you. I, I love it when you do. I'm talking, I'm, it's an analogy, son. You're smart. You can figure it out. So, does that make sense? It, but there's this, this thing that's there. But when we lay it aside, again, you. I hope to get it for you. If not, if you want to preemptively get it, you can go to Audible and get it. Um, and it's called Imagine Heaven. You, right. get it well. you can get it in Hoopla. Do y'all know who, what Hoopla is? Hoopla is like a, um, it's a, it's a library app. And I, I, I don't know if it works with all counties. I know it works with Jefferson County. Uh, but in, if you're a member of the Jefferson County, check Walker County or Blunt County and see what they got. But in Hoopla, you can do, uh, if you want to, you can put the church's address down. Is that illegal? I don't know. But it, and, um, <laughs> is, but it's called Imagine Heaven. It's on Audible. You can get it on Audible. It's called Imagine Heaven. But it's a collection of near-death experiences. And kind of a real brief kind of synopsis of the book is this, is because of medical technology today has developed such good ways of bringing people back, of resuscitation, we now have multiple records of near death. And so the guy, I think his name was John Burke, the guy who wrote the book compiled and compared over a thousand near-death experiences of not just from the United States, but from around the world. So multicultural, multi-religion, mm -hmm. not just Christians, but non-Christians, and not just non-Christian atheists, but also Buddhists and Hindus and other people. And he was looking for the biblical parallels of death. So I won't go into the whole book, but one of the things that stood out is every person who dies, whether they die and went to heaven or they died and went to hell. It was both. They said when they step out of their body, they come alive. Mm -hmm. Every sense is now all on. Mm -hmm. Every, they, they all say, I've never felt more alive than when I died. Because mm -hmm. when I laid down this body that was corrupted and I stepped into the spirit world, everything is like all the bells and whistles came on. Does that make sense? So listen to me. So Imagine Heaven is the name of the book. Great book. It's probably one of the most impactful books I've read in about five years. Right? To just help get you liberated.
and stuff. But to come back to your point, one day we'll receive an incorruptible, what's called a resurrected body. That'll be just like the body Jesus received when he resurrected from the dead. Does that make sense? Yes. Amen. But guys, listen, I come back to this because this is where we get it. Why are people important? Y'all thought I forgot why we were talking about this this morning. <laughs> right? Why do people matter? They're the only eternal thing next to the word of God. Why do people matter? Because every human being on the planet falls into Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. And God said, let us make them, make man, mankind in our image, in our likeness, right? Every human being in your life, and it helps a ton as you deal with people, if you'll remember, oh, they're an image bearer. Does that make sense? It, it helps you deal with things like racism, or prejudice of any kind, whether it's prejudice of race, whether it's prejudice of socioeconomic status, whether it's prejudice about uh, addicted or not addicted, whether it's prejudice of anything. It helps you out, oh, they're an image bearer. They're just like me. I'm an image bearer. The only difference between them and me is the man Jesus Christ. That's the only difference. But in every other way, they bear the image of God like I bear the image of God. They have the ability to hear from God like I have the ability to hear from God. They have the ability to have dominion in their world like I have the ability to have dominion in my world. Does that make sense? We are the same. Y'all look at me kind of funny. Y'all with me now? Do you understand that, right? Do you understand there's only one race and I... I, I I'm going to say this. I don't know if I've said it in a while here, but I'll say it again. There's only one race on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Human race. Which race? The human race. The human race. Racism, whether you call it critical race theory, whether you call it good old Southern prejudice racism, whether you call it whatever you want to call it, racism for a Christ follower is a myth. We cannot and do not believe that multiple races exist. One race, a bunch of different colors. One, and not even this, dude. One race, one color, because we all brown. Just varying shades of brown. Because when you take my white pasty body and you put it up to next to something that's actually white, I'm still brown. I'm just lighter brown than some of my African brothers. But even when you look at them, I love when Cedric was with us. Oh, he said, you take Cedric and put him up to something that's black, and Cedric ain't black. <laughs> He's just dark brown. So even on that, I tell people all the time, there, there's only one color on the planet. It's brown. You were talking about the percentages of, like, the, the percentages that were the same. The same. From Cedric or you. Mm-hmm. 96. 96. So again, and I wish, again, if, if I brought somebody up here that was... Outwardly speaking, like a Cedric who was with us or a Sushil who's at an Irondale campus. I mean, again, we were with a whole troop of, uh, of our Hispanic brethren yesterday at Casa de Restauración. Selena and I got to speak up there and, and, and we had dark, dark Puerto Ricans. 
right? We had fairly light-looking European Mexicans. We had uh, indigenous-looking Central Americans. Uh, we had all kinds. We had, there was every shade of brown in the room, right? I mean, I just was the lightest brown person there, right? I mean, <laughs> there was, but if you stood us all next to each other, 96% of our biology is the same. That means only 4% of our biology is distinguish, distinguish, distinguishably, is that right? Different. It just happens that that 4% is just outward. Skin color, facial structure, hair type, eye color, mouth shape. Does that make sense? 4% is just, the 4% that's different is just visible. But 96% is absolutely, that's why you can take the blood of a red man, yellow man, white man, black man, and as long as the blood types match, you can put them in it. That's why there is no such, there's no such thing as interracial dating or interracial marriage. Please, for the love of Jesus, can we stop doing that in the church? Are you with me? I love, again, to quote Vody Botcom, who's a great, I love my favorite black minister ever. And he gets that question all the time. Well, do you believe in interracial dating? Well, of course not. My kids come, with, come home with something that's not human. They can't marry that. Right? <laughs> bring a horse or a goat or a dog in here and say, no, you can't marry that. But they bring a Jesus-filled, Jesus-loving, Spirit-filled, Bible-loving, believing person. I don't care what country they came from, what color their skin is. I mean, again, I, I'm not going to force this upon all my children, but if I could have secretly, if I could manipulate Brad's little wish is all my kids would marry somebody from somebody somewhere else. Because I'd love to see Thanksgiving look like the whole world. Right? I would love to look across the table and say, man, I got every continent here covered. I got, I'm, putting, I'm putting who I am into every place on the planet. I've got offspring that will inherit the earth and they'll take over. Lord, because you said the nations are my inheritance. Yes. Do you understand that people are your inheritance from God? There are five living inheritances that God says he will lead, leave us. The word, his spirit, your children, mm-hmm. right? Your physical work and the very nations themselves. They're the five living inheritances from God. What I mean by living inheritance, we all understand the concept of inheritance, right? It's something you get when somebody dies. Except what happens when your father is eternal and he'll never die. He can't die and leave you an inheritance. So he just leaves it to you while he's still alive. Because he ain't going nowhere. (laughs) So your father in heaven has left you five from the word, five identifiable inheritances. Again, the word itself, that's why you can't destroy this book. That's why this book ain't going away. That's why this book will never become obsolete. That's why this book, no matter how hard men have tried from every generation, they can't do nothing to this book because God says, this is my inheritance to mankind. It will be here forever. Right? So the, the living word of God, the living spirit of God, as Paul said, and it's that living spirit of God that is the seal of number four, right? right? Your children, your physical offspring, 
right? It's one, can I just get real? It's one of the reasons why God is in, uh, not God, the devil. Thank you, Lord, for smacking me, right? The devil is endeavoring to shorten the size of families because mm-hmm. he doesn't want you to experience the fullness of the inheritance of your father. So he makes children be perceived as evil and wicked and they'll take from you and they'll cost you and they'll be a sacrifice and they're going to hurt you. They're going to, isn't that the way people act? Even, even in good Christian circles, right? Even, That's why I say my wife and I are going to Israel and they're Christians uh, because we want to get all of our traveling out before we have kids. Yeah. They have kids that can't go anywhere. That's right. And I've heard that before. Well, yeah, I want to go do all of this because I, I want to do this before I have kids because Again, does that make sense? We, we, we can I, not to get off, I know I just came off a marriage conference, but it's like this. Many times what we do is, you know, we look at all y'all single people and go, you know, you want to get out there. Miss Abby, you want to get out there and you want to live life and you want to do all you can and enjoy life to the fullest before you get married. Because the moment you get married, <laughs> that person is just going to suck something out of your soul. Right? And then once you get married, you need to wait as long as humanly possible before you have kids because whatever was left, they'll suck the rest of it out of you. <laughs> right? Does that make sense? But we, and we have to renew our thinking to that. I, I, I'll never forget, I mean, I've talked to all many Christian young people. And I, and I, I happened, y'all know me, right? And so I'm, this is, I guess this is story time with Pastor Brad. I don't know. But is, um, I happened to insert myself into a conversation that I was not invited into, which I, I tend to do, but I couldn't, I could have helped myself, but I didn't want to help myself. And so I just, I overheard this young couple or this young, two young people talking and one of them was talking about how they're going to put off marriage and they're going to do all this stuff and da, 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 da. And I just said, so what me, what me? What if, and this is what I said, and you can do this, so what if I told you that there was something you could do in your life that now, apart from the word, I'm talking about by sheer uh, natural statistics that, that, that the medical, the financial, and the scientific world know to be true, right? That will make you more money, make you happier, make you more fulfilled, extend your life, and fulfill you in a way that you would never ever be fulfilled by yourself. So you, you would, would you want to know what that, what, what that was? And they, and they, to their credit, they sniffed a setup. And they were, I said, so you don't want to know that. You don't want to make more money. You don't want to live longer. You don't want to be happier. You don't want to be more fulfilled. Is that what I'm understanding? You don't want any of that. You want the opposite. You want to live shorter. You well, no, of course not. Well, that's called marriage. Because statistically, when you're married, you live longer, you live happier, you're more stable, you have more money, you have more benefit. Even to the point where Cosmopolitan about 10 or 12 years ago did a report because they're going to see, now i got little people here, they're going to see who's having more and better sex. And Cosmopolitan magazine was stunned when they're, when they're, I know know it's confusing to you, but you'll, (laughs) just bear with me, you'll like it when they're. And so is, um, but uh, they, they were stunned when they found out that monogamous, faith-based, long-term relationships had more sex, better sex, and more satisfaction from their sex. 
And they were stunned. They said, we don't know. And that was across the whole nation. We don't know what to do with that. Because in secular, because in secular humanism, it's about me. Get all I can, can all I get, sit on the can. Because I'm just a random accident. Do you make sense? It's narcissism. It's, does this make sense to you? Do you understand these dots, why this is important to understand? Right? But when we come back to people again, and my goodness. Yeah, the four inheritances. Yeah, so you have the living word of God, the living spirit of God. Your children, your offspring are a living inheritance from God. Your physical, now this was the one, your physical work, whatever it is you do in this life as an occupation, from dog catcher to president, it does not matter. God said throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, your work and labor, and I'll just go there because some of y'all look at me real funny. I don't know, I know I've taught this probably everywhere else but here. Where's Ecclesiastes? Psalms. Ecclesiastes, thank you. Where's Ecclesiastes? Where is it, Courage? Oh, man, and it's in the other Bible. Oh, crud. I'm going to have to go through. It's in the Bible that knows where everything is. Anyway, so it's in the Bible I gave to Sophia. But, oh, she's in? We're good. We need a diaper change. Awesome. But it says, and I'll have to find them again, and I don't have the references because I had all this highlighted in my old Bible. I need to go through and do it here in my new Bible. But in five separate passages, Solomon says, your work, your, and I love one of the passages says, you shall enjoy the good of your labor under the sun all the days of your life because it is the inheritance or gift of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So your work and the ability, that's why as Christ followers, right, we love to work. Why don't you say that out loud? Say, I love, I love to, work. to work. All right, some of y'all are not playing my game. If you don't play my game, I'll mess with you. So say it out loud. Say, I love, I love to, work. to work hard, hard. All, day, all day, every day, every day. Under, the sun, under the sun, because it's a gift of God. <laughs> Losing some of you right there, right? Five nine, there we go. Five nineteen, Ecclesiastes five nineteen. Thank you. Oh yeah, this is it. I love it. Five eighteen. It says, "So here is what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy. Everybody say enjoy." The good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him, for it is his heritage. Yeah. It's his portion. It's his inheritance. It's his gift. The ability to work is your gift. Right? It's a living gift from God. Because remember, in the very beginning, before Adam fell, Right? So many of us think like this, that work showed up in dot two, <laughs> right? Many of us think work, because we treat, we treat work as a four-letter word. W-O-R-K, it is a four-letter word, but you know what I mean. We treat it like a four-letter word, right? Like it's evil and bad and wicked and horrible and ah, 
I was, I was, again, I was talking to Audra driving in. I said, I, I'm still, I haven't read the book. Don't plan on reading the book because, anyway, I, I should probably not judge a book before I read it. But, you know, I know it's famous. And they say every man should read the book called The Four-Hour Workday. And I'm like going, no. <laughs> because even if I could, okay, make all of the money I needed to make in four hours, I still got 20 left. What am I going to do? Sit on my butt and do nothing? Nope. No, because I'm a Christ follower and that's not what we do. Yeah. Well, we do stuff because we are made in the image. This is back again. Is this all good? We are made in the image of our father and he worked. Yeah. I lost some of y'all. So remember, work. Work didn't show up in dot two. Work showed up in dot one. He worked. Now, you want to get happy, right? Here's, you want to know the real happy. So, see, work showed up before Eve showed up. And I love that analogy, right? Before Adam got a wife, he got a job. That's a good pattern, right? <laughs> right? Before, when y'all young ladies are out there looking, your first thing is, so... Where do you work? And if he goes, well, I'm not working anywhere right now, you might say, how long has that gone on? And if it's more than like a week, a, a week or two, <laughs> maybe a month, you say, see ya, sucker. Because I ain't going to, I don't want to be your wife, not your mama. Mm-hmm. I ain't no sugar mama. I ain't no sugar mama. <laughs> right? I ain't the ATM that's going to pump out for you. Anyways, that's a whole nother conversation. Y'all get me off. Right? But remember, dot one. Work showed up on dot one. God made work in creation as part of himself. Oh, no. Here's the thing. In dot two, this is what happened in dot. Now, here, you want to get excited, Miss Alicia. In dot two, it says because of the fall, in one translation, it's like this. Because of the sin of Adam, it says that his work would begin to fight back. See, it says that the ground that he tilled before over here, he tilled and and worked the ground and the ground worked with him. But his sin caused the ground to fight back with him and it began to produce things he didn't plant. Well, no, it'd probably grow, but it wouldn't be full of thorns and poison ivy and and, and all the, the stuff, right? I don't, we don't like that either, right? But now here's the thing. But then we have fast forward to dot four. And you want to know why they put a crown of thorns on Jesus' head? So that he could take your work back to dot one. And now you as a Christ follower can stand in dot four. And realize, no, 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 now because of dot four, because of Christ and the authority that he took and they crowned him with my curse mm-hmm. so that he could crown me with his blessing. Now, even in this age, my work doesn't fight me back. Right. My work, I step into my work, whatever that work is, and the blessing of the crown of blessing that Jesus put on me causes my work to work for me and to work with me. And that's why when we step into places, even though we're still going to sweat, we're still going to be sore in our muscles, but we'll step in 
right? And, I, and guys, and I'll tell you, if you'll believe and trust, I've seen it in all the stuff I've done from pastoring, right, to doing all that, because I just ain't that smart. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And I've stepped in and stuff, and God just says, do that. Like, again, I, I walked, it's so funny, I, I tell them, I'm walking, y'all know I'm in the bakery. Some of y'all been by the bakery. Come see me at the bakery. I'd love to see you at the bakery. Because the cool thing is, I can actually sit down and, and get to, to work and be your pastor. How cool is that, right? I couldn't do that unless you wanted me to come paint something at your house. Then I could work and be your pastor if I painted at your house. But now you can come and get a cupcake with me, and I get paid for it, and you get to hang out with me. How cool is that, right? I mean, that's kind of cool, cool. But anyway, but, uh, but I walk in on the scene, and, and one of my jobs is we got to do some stuff. And I walk in, guys, again, this ain't that smart. And I walk in, and I look, and, and I know it when it happens to me, that it's of the Lord. And I look at the cases we got to put stuff, and I said, hmm, what if we, and I said, we do this, 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 and this, and this, and we can do that. And I just saw it. And all of them had been working there for 11 months. And all those people whip their head around and goes. <gasps> and then they go, you're really good at your job. And I said, no, I just have the Holy Spirit like you do. You're just tired. That's all. You've been going six days a week, 12 hours or 12 hours a day for about 11 months. You're just tired. Right? That's all that is. But it's not because I'm amazing. Mm-hmm. It's because Jesus crowned me with blessing. Mm-hmm. And now my work doesn't fight with me. Right. Now my work works with me. And my work does what I want it to do. Mm-hmm. Does that make, can, 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 can y'all go with me in your imagination? Is this all right? Yeah. Can y'all imagine, you know, Adam in the garden? How, anybody garden like me? There's no gardening now with a cursed ground. Over here, like, and I'm talking about in real, real life, cursed, right? I mean, like, you put a tomato in there, and there's other stuff grows with your tomato, mm-hmm. Does, <laughs> right? And you go, man, this stinketh sometime, right? I mean, because if you if you don't stay up ahead of it, I mean, like last year, I got real busy, and 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 my my property ate my garden. I didn't eat my garden. <laughs> Everything else ate my garden. I mean, it was like, <clears throat> and we had all that rain. Remember, we had all that rain last year, and every and it grew. And I'm like, well, where did my peppers go? <laughs> Because they were covered up in something else. But that, that's one side. But imagine Adam, before the fall, he'd take a seed and he'd just poke it in the ground. And it'd walk on. And it would just grow. And he didn't have to weed it. And he didn't, he didn't have to fight off bugs. And, didn't, and then... So he just took a seed and go, oh, let's just poke that one there. I want one of those over here. So I'll just poke that over there. And see, guys, we get to do that now with our, with our work. We can walk in and the, and the crown of blessing on you will just show you what to do. Show you how to do stuff. Right? Does that make sense? Just expect it. Because he was crowned with your curse so that you could be crowned with his blessing. Does that make sense? And, I, and I'll land on this last thought for time. We helped a sister at the, the thing yesterday at the end. And Selena, you weren't with me, but there was one of the ladies of the church up there. And she was excited. She's a corrections officer, but she's having an opportunity to go work in something to do with law enforcement, but at a state level. And, and she was nervous. And the, I was there with the pastor. And, and he was trying, and Pastor Herman was encouraging her about, you know, because she has to take some tests this week. And I said, will they tell you what to study? They said, No. They said, bring two number two pencils and a calculator. That's all they told me to do. 
And I said, sweet. I said, you ain't got nothing to worry about then. And she was like, I don't. And I said, no. I said, because they didn't tell you what to study and you've got the Holy Spirit. And it says in scripture, according to Jesus, he'll show you all things. He told the apostles, even though they weren't taking a test like you're taking a test, he told the apostles, hey, when they drag you up to face judgment and death, don't worry about what you're going to say. I'll fill your mouth at that moment. You'll just open your mouth and say what I tell you to say, and it'll be okay. I said, so this is the easiest test in the world. I said, it would have been hard if they told you what to study. Because <laughs> then you would be responsible to go out and study if they said you need to know this. But because they told you nothing, you get to step over here in dot four, mm -hmm. which is the abiding presence of the Spirit who will show you and teach you all things and tell you things to come and illuminate your mind and remind you. I said, so just sharpen your pencils real good and go have fun. <laughs> Do y'all see the difference? Right? See, the, do you understand how this, but now back to what we're saying, but you, if you think like the world thinks that people are an accident, mm -hmm. that you don't know why they're here, and then the biggest one is, because remember in secular humanism, people say, I, I'm not the problem, somebody else is the problem. Mm -hmm. And then if the world, we have that secular humanistic thought to that question, oh, somebody else is my... They're the problem. Then you'll not get to the place where Paul said they're your joy and your crown. Right? But, but, what, but when you understand, oh, the nice people and the mean people, the good people and the wicked people, everyone is created in the image of God. Right? They were created with a special purpose of relationship and something to do in this earth. Oh, just like me... They're their own problem. Mm -hmm. Oh, but just like me, the same answer that solved my problem solves their problem. Okay, cool. I can go tell them the answer. Mm -hmm. But as long as you believe they're part of your problem, right. you'll never take the answer to them. Did, did you see how I want to connect? You'll never take, we'll never take the answer. If I believe somebody's my problem, I'll never take the answer to them. But if I understand from a biblical perspective, oh, they just had the same problem I had back in the day themselves. I was a piece of work, right? Even as a good Christian piece of work, <laughs> right? Okay, gotcha, gotcha. They just need what I need. The only difference between me and Oliver Sockwad is Jesus. It's the only Jesus, only Jesus. Amen. So Lord, we love you so much. Lord, help us see people. Help us see ourselves. Lord, there's so much more that could be said, but we'll say it another time with your help. But Lord, today, we just make a choice to see people as bearers and carriers of your image. And just take a minute, you know, because we're all about to go out into the world this afternoon and tomorrow. And just take a moment here as we're, as we're together and just uh, kind of hit recalibrate if you need to you know it's kind of like it's like the 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 little thing on the dashboard you know when you go to zero out the trip meter you know every now and then uh you have to kind of zero out the meter of your soul mm -hmm. right and go okay i'm just going to start over right and i'm just going to hit that button and take everything right back to zero and i'm just going to start over so if there's people and again especially if there's people and you've seen them as part of the problem You've seen them as, as the negative.
right? You know, hit, hit zero with them people. I'm just, I'm just reminded of this story as you just got your eyes closed. I'll tell you the story why you do that. When I was a teenager, I was probably Caleb's age, maybe a little bit older. Might have been Savannah's age. But uh, Nintendo had come out and Mario Brothers was the game of the day. Anybody else play Mario Brothers? Anybody else play Mario Brothers? And so my friend got the new Nintendo and the new Mario uh, Brothers game. And uh, I think he spent the night at my house, if I'm remembering the story right. And him and I decided, as young people can do, we're going to stay up all night. Right? We're going to stay up all night and play the whole game. Going to take it through the whole. So we're up, you know, we start at, you know, seven o'clock and we're playing Mario Brothers together and we're running through the levels. And we decided to do it where he knew some cheats, but we said, no, we're going to be purists. No cheat codes allowed. We're not going to jump levels and we're going to play all the way through. And we play and we play and we play. And we get to about, it's probably about one o'clock, one thirty in the morning, and we're close. We're like a level or two away from winning. And I stretch. And the annoying thing about that Nintendo system is there was a reset button right on the front of the console. If you remember that? And I stretched and my toe hit that reset button and and wiped out all of our game playing. And we're there. And again, it's like 1.30 in the morning. He looked at me and he was like, and I looked and we looked at each other and what are we going to do? So we just started over. We started right back at square one and we moved the console out of harm's way and we played again until about nine o'clock the following morning when we won and beat the big monster or whatever it was. But as you know, sometimes in life, at the midnight hour, when it seems like you're tired, the best thing in the world you can do is just hit the reset button. Just wipe it out. Just hit the reset button. Right? It helps you when you know I can do that because, yeah, they're an image bearer like me. They just don't know it. They believe they're an accident. They believe they have no purpose. They don't understand and see what the real problem is. So therefore, they don't know how to connect to the actual answer to their problem. But when I come back here to dot one... Man, it really helps engage with people, right? Because now I look at people and go, man, I just love you because you're just like me. You're an image bearer, right? You carry his, his whole fingerprint all over you. So, Lord, we do that today. In Jesus' name, help us. Help us, help us. Thank you, Lord God, that I love it that you didn't just hit the reset button with us. You took the whole thing away. <laughs> Took the whole thing away.